This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Can I connect? Yeah. That's good? I think so. Nice. <laughs> Let me start with my, my, what do you call the side view? Profile? No. Yeah, profile. Yeah, profile. It's funny, that's also called profile. When everyone's profiles on their phones with friends. You know what I hate is from people not putting a picture on their profile. You started it? Yeah. Oops. <laughs> and you know they, they put pictures of their kids. It's so weird. Protect the kids. Why should... I'm so careful not to put my kids on social media. Is that... Um, hello, everyone. Uh, unfortunately, someone drained my and took my iPhone camera. And so this whole class will be videoed on the side where I could plug it into a wall. Unless this guy has a battery. Do you have a battery by any chance? Come sit in a nice, closer seat. All right. Um, so today we're going to be discussing... Uh, welcome to Asia Torah's Essentials Program. It's one of the only... If the only... is the only drop-in course uh, in the Jewish world, which is such a horrific embarrassment. But it just goes to show you that our PR is beyond lousy. That this is the only outlet in the world of co-ed, come as you are, drop in, and learn a little something about your traditions. Crazy, right? Is that unfathomable, Allison, that there's no drop-in course in the world? And it's free. Free. It's for sh- yeah. Free is good. Free, is- free helps. It's Jewish people's favorite price. And, uh, it's amazing Jews don't smell skunk when something's free. We smell skunk about everything else, like, but free we're in. What can you lose? Anyway, um, so you'll be watching this from the side over there. And uh, as we get a lot of views per day, uh, depending. I mean, it's either two to three hundred if we don't boost it. And depending on my financial ability, I pop in a boost, which is like shekels and then it goes to like three to five thousand people a day and feel free anyone who wants extra schools can boost it and uh, so I don't go broke teaching classes sometimes I teach five amazing classes in a row and I boost all five so I can spend 500 shekels on my week and Facebook who I'll try not to speak badly about specifically makes sure if you post daily to, that no one sees it so that you pay so that's where I'm at. And welcome everyone on tour anytime. Happy to have you. Okay. Um, so the question we're dealing with today is why are we here? What are we doing here? Like, what is this all about? And unfortunately, uh, this and this may freak out a few people, but the Jewish people have an extremely ethnocentric answer, which is not even possible to be the answer. But Jews generally will go with an extremely ethnocentric answer. And, um, but I think they would accept, I think the Jewish people would accept a, the broader answer that I'll be given, even though it's hardly ethnocentric. So, first of all, just understand what we're doing here at all is, um, is that itself is quite miraculous. Uh, according to uh, Judaism and Eastern traditions, and we generally have everything in common internally. Eastern traditions and Judaism generally connect internally. Externally, if you look at Western traditions, like Christianity is the external of Temple Judaism, 
Islam is the external of synagogue Judaism. If you think about it, when they started, one started at the end of the Temple period, that's Christianity, and then the other ones that's kind of a takeoff on synagogue Judaism was Islam. But those are externals. Then there's the internal. The internal we have a lot more to do with Eastern traditions. And in our Kabbalistic tradition, which comes not from uh, our understanding of the divine, which is where they get their information, but ours is from prophecy. And prophecy is way beyond understanding things from the divine. It's, uh, I mean, the truth is, it's questionably understanding anything when you get prophecy. I'm not sure what you understand exactly, but, but it's, uh, you know, it's a direct fiber optic link to, to the creator of all reality, including the divine world, all the way down to our physical world. Meaning metaphysical and physical is the, the, generally the spiritual leaders of all the traditions have excellent navigational skills in the divine, in the metaphysical. And they become the teachers and the healers and the, the medicine chiefs of this outer crust we call physical world. And whereas the Kabbalistic tradition, even though it has all those details and really quite a bit more detail, but it comes from prophetic experience, not from medicine, not from uh, not from traditions and meditation and stuff. Like that. That's not where we get it. We get it from a direct link to the power source itself to king of the universe. Now, but, the, but what we all have in common is that this outer world doesn't exist. So when you ask, why are we here, Jordan? You're supposing there's a we here. You're supposing there's a here. You're supposing there's a we. Whereas in both Judaism and Eastern traditions, we do not suppose there's a we or a here. It's not, and, and that's what you'll notice right at the beginning of one of the great Kabbalists around Paul, right at the beginning of Der Hashem, one of the famous works, The Way of God, which is uh, obviously a big favorite for anyone who's tried psychedelics, is the very beginning of the book says that this world has no absolute existence. It, it basically brings up the, the conflict between the infinite and the finite, because they cannot simultaneously exist infinite and finite. I'll, show, I'll illustrate it with a, with a, a drawing. Sorry, you're not going to see this drawing. But uh, if you have a circle, and that circle represents the expanding universe. So let's say that's the center and the universe is expanding. I don't think it's concentric, but maybe it's expanding concentrically. And, uh, and outside the circle you have, I mean, whatever, it's hard for our brains to conceive of it, but you have you know, beyond the physical. So you have the physical and you have beyond the physical. So that's the finite, and then you have the infinite. Now, what's wrong with the picture? Shall I give you a definition of infinite? Not the mathematical one, the regular ones. That it's unlimited. Infinite means unlimited by space and time. Right or wrong? Is that not unlimited by space and time? What's the definition of finite? Limited by space and time. So what's wrong with the picture? What have we done to the infinite? In this picture, limited. we've limited it. Which way should it should it also go? Well, out. I'm just saving Asia towards ink. <laughs> In is where we would be talking about, right? In. So when we go in, though, what you see is you lose the circle altogether. Now. 
And therefore, you see the conflict. The the uh, now the word for this kind of conflict is called paradox. Paradox is when you have two conflicting things that stay true. See, normally when two things conflict, one's not true, and then it gets set up. You solve the conflict because when things are conflicting, there's generally one's not true, and and then you solve the conflict. But in this particular case, this is a conflict. Meaning, finite and infinite simultaneously existing is a paradox. It's a paradox, meaning it conflicts totally because you can't have infinite and final, finite both existing absolutely. One has to be the subordinate. One has to be the created. And the other has to be the creator. One has to be a projection. Meaning either we're projecting there's a God or the God's projecting us. But you can't have us both be absolutely true. Someone's making something up. Either God's making us up or we're making God up. And you meet people who believe man makes God up. So what we wind up here with here is just total infinite. Then that's in the end of all that theorem is if you say there's an infinite God, we don't exist. Because if it's infinite, it's not limited by space, then therefore it's also here. We can't see it. Now, I will bring back the circle. Okay, there's the circle. I'll put you in it. Okay, there's the circle. I'll give you a little smiley thing. Okay. So we can bring back the circle, but then we got God surrounding space and time, but also filling space and time. Okay, God as Burrito. He's both the tortilla, but the expanding tortilla, and he's the rising beings, filling the tortilla. The outer is what we call Hashem or Yudin He and Baban He, and the inner is what we call Elohim, which is no coincidence, it's plural, im, like yellow, yellow, im, kadr, kadrim. Why? Because the inner is made of multiplicity. And so we have a plural suffix from the name Elohim, because how God, so to speak, manifests into physicality, the outer crust of the divine, is really all made of God, because that's all there is. So there is no we, and there is no here. So why are we here is not really a question. Except for what, Jordan? We are here. Because <laughs> we're here. You know, go look up Descartes to find that out. But we are here. Because, you know, we're my conscious, I'm consciously here. So, and here, you know, it has limitations. I can't just walk through things. You know, interestingly, lasers can't. Not lasers. Lasers can walk through things. Meaning there's a speed vibrationally that this wood is moving at. You guys know what I'm talking about here? No little physics. So this is there's atoms and it's moving at certain frequencies. And they do have lasers that can dance between the raindrops of this wood. So the truth is I should be able to walk through it. The fact that I can't is only because my body and it's it are gonna butt heads. But with the right lasers going the right frequencies, it could go right through it without harming it at all. It just dance between the raindrops. Of the frequencies. Do you think I'm speaking English right now? Yeah. Am I speaking English right now? I'm not speaking English. These are vibrational patterns. You know, if I played an A on my guitar and you'd see the string, my A string, uh, you'd see that string vibrating. And that what's going on is at 440 oscillations per second, the waves are moving through the room. There's a little monkey playing drums on your tympanic membrane inside your head. 
at 440 oscillations per second. It shows up in the sound, uh, which is the speed of my vocal cords right now. This is not English. This is math. All I'm doing is giving you highly complex math right now, which sends, goes up audio nerves into your neuron, your cerebral cortex where the neurons are. The neurons either fire or don't fire. Fire or don't fire. You have billions of neurons. Fire or don't fire. And when you have something firing and not firing, you have billions of them, what you have is binary code, meaning it's like a DVD, like digital code. It's just ones and zeros. Which, here's my English that matches my English to all the other English you've ever heard. Because it wouldn't know what to do with English. There's no, your brain cannot understand English. But based on the data, meaning it's database of all the English you've ever heard before, it is able to decipher these, this, this math. If you bring a Chinese person in here who doesn't know English, they can't decipher the mathematics that's coming down because they don't have the history, they don't have the database. But the neurons match it to the data and then say, hmm, English, I think I understand this. And then, but you're meanwhile totally tricked into believing that I'm speaking English. You also think I'm standing here. I mean, if you all pointed to me, you'd all be going like that right now. But I'm not standing here. I'm standing somewhere in your brain. You have a retinal nerve that is sending extreme amounts of data, way more than my voice, because it's also it's coming at the speed of light. You know what the difference between sound and light is in speed? Whoa. And you're, you're seeing, you're getting incredibly fast data. That's why when we meditate, we close our eyes, because it's like, I need more bandwidth. You know, my eyes are collecting so much that my central nervous system is getting bombarded by the experience. And so when you meditate, you close your eyes, you create lots of bandwidth in your brain so that you can get conscious and not be consistently hijacked by all that data overload that's coming down, that coming, you know, through the pipes. But I'm not really standing here. I mean, I am standing here, but not for you. I'm not standing here for you. For you, I'm standing somewhere inside your brain. You know, sorry about if I'm touching a soft spot right now, but uh, I'm inside your head right now. And your mind is projecting me over to your your brain's doing all the math and sending me here. Why don't you see two of me? You got two lenses. How come you don't see two of me? You should certainly see two. How, do you, how, do you, how can you possibly be looking at me with two eyes and see only one? It's not possible. You have two lenses. The answer is is that your brain also does that math. And it's taking the images and it's kind of splicing them together, and that creates the nature of 3D. That's why every 3D movie you've seen had two lenses on the cameras. They're shooting scenes with a double lens camera. And, and that creates the 3D image of, of reality. Now, why are we here? <laughs> why are we here? So we don't know why we're here. It's crazy to say it, but we have no idea why we're here. And um, there's no way to know why we're here because there's no way to understand how, what is, why, what, how did this all happen? How did this all happen? Now, we got a lot of Kabbalah on the house, but we have zero info on the why. I mean, you can fill this room from the beginning, from the floor to the ceiling with Kabbalistic details of how. And not one word, not one little sentence of why? We have no idea why. So we don't really know why, so hmm, we're going to have to work it out from here. 
Well, I know one thing. When someone harms me, I make darn sure I don't harm someone else that way because I know what it feels like. Now, human nature is the opposite. So it's exactly that. I wish I had my usual crowd because I love taking polls. So normally when I take a poll, I ask the whole crowd, I say, everybody, raise your hand if you've ever been harmed. Anyone ever broken your heart before? Okay, let's try it. Anyone here had been harmed in any way by anyone? Raise their hand. <laughs> okay, so keep your hand up. And hey, keep your hand up if you subsequently have ever harmed someone, you know, afterwards at any point. And it turns out always to be the same exact people. Meaning people wound where they're wounded. Hurt people, hurt people. And and so that that's one of the things I can extrapolate is having been hurt or seen hurt or notice any type of any type of willful or even an unwillful uh, pain inflicted, whether it be emotional, physical, environmental. Uh, animal pain as the Torah forbids any animal cruelty if I've seen any of this if I've I've experienced it myself or or witnessed it so that automatically gets off the list of of anything all the involved like that's not that's out but yet you'll notice everyone thinks it's in (laughs) once they've been hurt that's in and it's the opposite now that you know what hurts it's out and so I can learn that something hurtful is not for That's why um, Hillel, when when the, a convert came, he hadn't converted yet, but when he came to Hillel and said, teach me the whole Torah on one foot, Hillel said, he didn't say love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> Who loves themselves? You know what it takes to love yourself? I spend, in my seminars, I spend some 25 to 30 hours with every group just to get them to finally realize how amazing they are. Which means, and these are cutting-edge people, they're all executives. Now in Israel, it's a lot of students of Torah because it's the nature of the beast here. But in America, it's executives, so they you know, CEOs of companies. It takes me 30 hours to get a guy who's, you know, seems to be on, you know, the cream of the crop to be able to look himself in the mirror and say, I love you, to himself. So Hillel didn't say love your neighbor as yourself because he realized, like, to get to the point of loving your neighbor as yourself, first of all, you got to love yourself. You can only love your neighbor as you love yourself, but if you don't love yourself, you're never going to love your So that's our first job is to just love ourselves. And then once we love ourselves, we love our neighbors. So therefore he just said, don't do unto others what is harmful to you. And so when I ask, what are we doing here? Even though there's no me and there's no here, there's no we and there's no here. Nevertheless, we seem to be here. And since I am here, one, I can start extrapolating. And one of the things I would extrapolate is to, to um, tread lightly. And the way I like to say it is have the least carbon footprint. Have the least footprint for the biggest hamstring. Meaning, have harmed the world the least, having touched the world the most. Each one of us touches the world the most. In our way, we, have, we all have a contribution. And we're here to contribute. So you want to at least footprint the biggest thing for you in the world. But I'd like to go from like that, let's call that the bottom of the barrel of like, don't do what's harmful to others. Let's go to the top now. 
where we where are we from? Where do we come from? Now, whether you hold by physics or whether you hold by terror, we all agree on one thing that we have agreement on. We all come from nothing, meaning we come from a pre-existence, existence, or lack of existence. We all come from nothing. What is the word nothing? No thing. Nothing. Okay, like like what's in this cup right here? Okay, is is this cup have nothing in it? It's, it's filled to the brim. You've never, you cannot conceive of nothing. That's not the nothing I'm talking about because this cup's filled with air. Every space is full. There's never been an empty space in the physical world, which is an interesting thing to meditate on. Is the fact that there's no, there's no place where there's nothing. But when it comes to the word nothing meaning no thing, i.e. where we came from, I, where the physical world is expanding out of, it's expanding out of absolute and total nothingness. We know that, but we can't conceive of it. It's inconceivable. Now, the scientific world, and especially, uh, you heard uh, Hawking's, Stephen Hawking's, from him, he discovered God, I think, last week. <laughs> I didn't realize that joke was going to go over so well. Like, I, I've been forgetting to tell it for like a week straight. <laughs> he died this week or last, last week? I've been trying to tell that joke, but it just never came up. Did you hear Stephen Hawking's discovered God? So, anyway, um, what happens is, you know, science can be, you know, making, like, great leaps forward. And therefore, when you say things like, uh, science just hasn't figured that out yet, you're probably right. They're going to. You know what I'm talking about? When people are like, there's certain problems science is trying to solve, and they've just made great leaps, man, especially the last 100, 200 years. And so they just haven't figured it out yet. We feel that way a lot about diseases and stuff, like, like um, medical companies haven't quite figured it out yet. Um, but uh, would you ever say that about something that they've made zero progress on? Would you ever say if, they, if science made zero progress, but zero, like they really want to make progress, they're putting a lot of money into it, universities all over have a, even a... Uh, uh, a, um, thank you. You notice I always forget that word. The, I don't know if you know. Yeah. Because my Hebrew wants to say machlaka, but it's department. And every university even has a department on it where people are pumping grant money out of the government for it. But would you ever say science is going to figure that? You know, science will figure it out soon when they've made zero progress. Meaning, from when we want them to get to a hundred, and you know, in other things like maybe they got to seventy, eighty, and they'll figure it out. How about zero? Would you ever say, well, science is probably going to figure this out? What would you say, or would you not say? Hello? Yeah. You would not say it. If they made zero progress, you would, what you should be doing is pulling your grant money out of there. Anyway, that field of science is called theoretical physics. Have you guys ever heard of theoretical physics? Stephen Hawking was a theoretical physicist. And, oh, thank you so much, Bob. Really, really appreciate it. So... Theoretical physics is the study of what is the nothing. Meaning, we came out of nothing. They want to know. Listen, nothing makes what? What does nothing make? If there was nothing in this room and we boarded it up and came back a hundred years later, what would be in the room? Same thing. Nothing. 
I'm used to having Jewish women, especially her Pesach saying dust. But there'd be nothing in here. If I emptied this bottle, closed it, and buried it for a million years, and we pull it out, what's in there? Nothing. So that's quite mysterious. Because we know we came from nothing. And nothing makes what? What does nothing make? Nothing. So we came from nothing. Nothing makes nothing. But here we are in this space-time continuum. So, like, where'd we come from? Not why we're here. (laughs) Where did we come from? Now, of course, it's interesting. Our beginning answer was, well, we aren't really here. It's an interesting thing. We'll keep that on the side for now. That we're not actually here. But but where did we come from if we came from nothing? Hence, they have departments at the university trying to figure it out. Now, notice the name of the department. What was the name of the department? Theoretical physics. There's physics departments, but there's also theoretical physics departments. Why do they use that term? Why do they call it the Big Bang Theory? Why do they do that? Why? Why, why are we pumping money into a department that's called theory? Which has zero progress. Zero progress. You know why? I'll tell you very simply why. Because the only way to do any serious understanding of where what the nothing is, is you need an instrument of measure. You need an instrument of measure that can measure outside space and time. Tell me. How far along are they creating an instrument of measure that measures things outside space and time? <laughs> you, need the, you need the instrument of measure to go outside space and time. Now, is there such a thing as an instrument of measure that measures things outside space and time? Is there such a thing? <sighs> yeah, it's called meditation. There is an instrument of measure, but uh, no one's sending. No one's going to be sending any grant money for that. <laughs> because we all have a consciousness. Think about it. Everyone in this room is conscious. Which is is that limited by space and time? Conscious. I'm not talking about your thinking. I'm talking about the consciousness that the thinking reports to. I mean, there's a you that's thinking. You are not the thinking. You are you, and you have thoughts that are coming towards you as I speak. Since the AC is on, I'll give you direct access to your consciousness. Uh, can I ask you, Ezra, to shut off the AC first? It's the power button on the AC. It'll be clearly marked as a power button. I think it has the power button icon. Ready? Everyone hold still. Don't move. Just breathe. Close your eyes, breathe. Open your eyes. What just happened? All we did was shut off the ACS. The answer is bandwidth. 
Your ears must decipher that noise that was in the room. You didn't know it was on. I work in music studios. I know it was on. It was actually like fingernails on a chalkboard for me. But your ears hear it and got to do something with it. They're only doing their job and they were reporting like a low hum, which you're taking a bandwidth in the brain that that is the one that's constantly hijacking consciousness. Your consciousness is a direct link to that which is beyond space and time. I mean, because why? Because everything comes from somewhere. So we know where your thoughts are coming from. Where's your consciousness coming from? Where's it come from? What's the source of just the absolute consciousness of yours? Your point of reference is called you. What is the point of reference called you? What's, where's that coming from? Where are you going to point to where it comes from? That's why it says in every baby there are three partners father and mother create the physical, and on the 40th day, God inserts a soul, a consciousness. That is the same. Sometimes I have students in here ask similar questionnaires. They say, they say, but it's here the answer is it's true, but instead of it's not true, yours was it's not true that we're here or that there's a we. But the um, but they say, how do I know I have a soul? <laughs> the word I was the key word here. The I is the soul. The fact that you're conscious is the I. That's the soul. But I am not my thoughts. I have thoughts, but I'm not the thoughts. And so the only instrument to measure that which is beyond space and time is the soul. Access to the soul is as easy as shutting off an AC system. But for the undisciplined mind, that's a great trick. You need to have a disciplined mind to be able to stay conscious. Stay conscious. And there's all kinds of tricks we won't discuss. Now, the next um, next is if before there was something there was nothing and nothing makes nothing so then we came from nothing so before there was something there was nothing nothing makes nothing and we and since there's now something so now we know why we call the nothing what? what do we call the nothing? <laughs> no, it's nothing. Before there was something, there was nothing. Since nothing makes nothing, and now that there's something, Esther, so we therefore will give nothing a name. What's the name we would give the nothing? What name would you give it? What? Hashem. Hashem. Excellent. You give the, you give it the, the you give it the name God. You realize, Jordan, that the name God means absolutely nothing. What does it mean? It's just a symbol, a lettered symbol with a sound that allows our minds to play with the fact that we come from nothing. But we don't know what it is. And you should know all those names you grew up with, you know, Yud Kebabke, Elohim, Shakai, Tzvakos, all those names, Kel, all those names, they're all verbs. Everyone needs a verb. They're not nouns. 
took all the names of God you thought were nouns. There's not one noun there. There's no nouns. You and K and Bob and K are verbs. Yeah, but it's it's a very specific manifestation of God, Master. It's not who He is, but it's how we relate to. If, if we're all, if we are all, basically a figment of God's imagination, we're going to be calling Him Master. Is there any space between us right now? It's full of, it's air. It's called air, but it's full. It's packed. All there really is is God. And this whole physical world is a figment of God's imagination. And since the world is God's imagination, so we call him Adam. We, when we focus on the Yud, which means idea, and the hey, which is dimension of idea, and the va, which is implementation of idea, and the hey is the actual, uh, uh, what's the word? Three, the 3D expression of maybe the actual created idea, i.e., if the idea was to make bottles, like, oh, I'd like to start a plastic company, on which we make toys. No, I'd like to make bottles. That's the hey, the dimension of it, what I want to do with the plastic. Vov is making all the business and the money and everything, meaning getting all the finances together, finding a good plastic factory in China. That's the Vov. And then, uh, but the final hey is this. Or you could say the, the Vov is really the sixth Hesed words first, and that's a so you know what it means. So Hesed is the molten plastic going into a mold. Gouvure is the mold that holds, that's going to be the shape of the bottle. Tiferis is, we need it to be exactly two liters. If it comes out two and a half liters, we got to, you know, we just wasted a lot of plastic. We're going to start again because two liters is probably some kind of an international level of what, you know, it's convenient for a human being to buy because no one wants two and a half liters and too heavy. So, Tiferis is making sure the chesed, the amount that we pour in, is the right amount to make a bottle that will hold two liters. That's chesed you hold in Tiferis. Netzach is that it, the machine doesn't just give a one-off. We don't want a sample. We want millions of these. So you got to keep it going. And so you might need oil for the machine and stuff to like keep it on the Netzach mode. Hode is you don't want the machine, you know... Uh, just kind of coming apart, so you're going to have to have maintenance and make, you know, it's got its own vibrational level that can unscrew the screws on it. That's why you've got to take a car in every year and just kind of get it really tightened up again for service. It's home. Refocus this machine to do what it's built to do. And you sowed is, uh, is that the whole entire system has to be set up for the, for the consumer. You know, there's something shaky. You know, it's like it's, it's offering something that people will connect to and want to buy. And then uh, Malchus is this. This is Malchus. This is the final hey of God's name. I just did the six. And this is the final hey of God's name. Now, I know I'm saying a lot right now, but now I'm going to say a little. I know I said a lot. 
and perhaps too much, and maybe I'm wiping you guys out with overload. But now I'm going to say very little. Why are we here? So one thing I know when I'm here is not to do what's hurtful to others. That's like the bottom of the barrel. The top of the barrel is that we're really being created. And this is why I went into all the combat. We're really being created from nothingness. And that nothingness seems to have an intention because what's the propensity of nothing to remain what? Nothing. So it clearly has an intention. Otherwise, it would have stayed nothing forever, so to speak, even though there's no It would have stayed as nothing. But yet it somehow created something. It has ability. Not only does it have the ability to create, but it has not only meaning you can create something and it will expand into oblivion, and which creates chaos called entropy. And you just get more and more chaos, the more it expands. But this nothing has not only intention to do it, Ability to cause its expansion, but also an opposite attribute of order, which is the name Shakai, by the way. Shit, that, that it's enough. Shin, that it's enough. That's the name. I told you all the names are verbs. We just did the you and the hey, the vav and the hey, with an expression of the vav, all used to create a bottle, but we're talking about the world. The name Shin and Dalit and Yud is the, that it's enough. It's the name of God that causes the emulsification of order in creation so that it doesn't just expand into oblivion, but it actually creates earth. Maybe even other planets out there. God knows what's out there. And who says this is the only universe? None of this exists physically. None of this really exists. The whole space time continuum is only going on in the nothing. But nothing made it out of itself. All there was was nothing. So it made it out of itself. Well, what was it? It was nothing. <laughs> so, what did, so what did it use? It used intelligence, meaning it used chachma, bina, and dat. The whole world's made of chachma, bina, and dat. It's not that it's physical. It's within the seichel, the chachma, bina, and dat, or the intelligence or consciousness of God. Well, then God can have any number of these things. See, for us, the universe is made of great, vast space. But to God, there is no space. And therefore, to have multiple universes is for God a no-brainer. Which is like, it really gets mind-boggling, because like, I mean, who's feeding the ants climbing up some tree in the Amazon right now? And who's feeding the aardvark? He's going to eat ants. Like, like God's dealing with all this stuff. Tremendous detail. He's giving the plants and animal. The plants are getting the photosynthesis from the sun. The animals have this amazing food chain going on. It's like crazy involvement. Crazy involvement. It's only humans that he played the trick of uh, not sustaining us. We have to sustain each other. You know, I'm sustaining my children and, and I'm sustaining you know, a couple other people that I employ and, and, uh, and I'm sustaining all kinds of random people at my door all the time. You know, like it's in, this is incessant flow. I mean, imagine living here. <laughs> I imagine your door bell rings once in a while in your neighborhood. You know, you know what it's like living here where they don't have to fly? You know, it's, like, it's incredible. And these are our children's Grandparents or parents, 
sorry, our children's friends. You know, it's like it's not like you can say no. Like, sorry. You know, they, 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 these are this is all the community. We, we live in the community of the people coming to our doors. You know, so no is not one of the options. Speaking of which, I do like to send out a Facebook to send more money because my money only goes so far for the for the community. Remind me, please. Send me a WhatsApp later or something later to send us up. Sure. Just uh, remind me for um, funds for peso. Now, the um, God played the trick on us that we got to help each other make it. The midder says the haves have and the have-nots have not because the haves are going to give the magnets. We're created for that. I'll show you right in this room. I mean, we don't have a big crowd in the room, but let's try like this. Um, everyone who's a creative, raise your hand versus, and then we'll have everyone who's more structure-oriented. Right? A creative personality, structure personality. Okay, everyone who's more creative. What? For sure, I'm saying you lean one way. Like you lean more towards structure versus someone who leans more towards creativity, uh, creative expression. I'm creative. Okay. Um, so everyone more creative expression, raise your hand. Make sure everyone votes. Everyone more towards structure, raise your hand. Okay. So you'll notice that it's always half and half, no matter how big the room is. If I have 10 people, it's 5 and 5. If I have 20, it's 10 and 10. If I have about 200, it's 200 and 100. Why? Because you, if you're creative, you can't get anything done without a structured person by your side. The creatives are the unit personalities, and this, the, the structures are the vote personalities. But there's also a couple other categories of personality I'm not going to go into now. But, um, but also the haves and the have nots are all to share. I have some friends who, uh, who uh, were, you know, I got, I've had, I got a lot of colleagues who are, you know, business people and come to my programs, my seminars, and sometimes they're up like, some ridiculous amount, like the guy's just up like twenty million dollars, and like he's, there's articles. You know, he got he showed up in the press and stuff, and it's like really like doing well. So I got in touch with him, and I'm like, you know, like let's help out some people here. You know, like let's have you know the measure says those are have get to those and we'll work it out that way. So I'm a good bridge. I'll help some people. So I, I mean, he says, you know what? Just we gotta wait and see where it's all going. What's that? The research doesn't back you up. Yeah. Haves, the haves like having. Yes. Yeah, so he said, let's wait and see. So I've had many of those people lose their shirts a couple of years later. And, and like, hundreds of people have been fed. Hundreds of weddings made. Hundreds of, like, good in the world. Never had. And so God's like, okay, so don't ask why machine's not here yet. Meanwhile, there was communism. We see the world kind of like I do, like equality of wealth. That's the way it was meant to be. But mine's from a Torah perspective. Equality of wealth meaning take care of each other. Take care of each other like like Rev. Speed, Rev. Finkel, Rev. Nussin Svee Finkel, the Rosh Hashim of Mary Shiva, when he spoke to Howard Schultz of Starbucks. He said, you know what the lesson of the Holocaust was? Says the Rosh Hashim of the Mirror to the secular 
billionaire Howard Schultz. Too much blanket on you, you released some. And that's the only way to survive. Because if the guy pulls it and you're, he's out, he's dead with pneumonia. And if you don't have so much blanket on you, you'll make it, he'll make it. And then you live. So it had to be that way. Like everyone had to learn, like too much blanket means release some. And he said to Howard Schultz, he says, God's giving you a blanket. Go cover people up. Go keep people warm. And Schultz came back the next day with an open check. And he hands it to the Rashida and says, whatever you write on it, is what you get. And this he was elderly, he was uh Parkinson's that's the shaking it's shaking and he's still going out every month to America and other countries to raise money for this couple million dollar budget and he says write whatever you wanted it and he wrote on the check he wrote twelve hundred dollars what wrote twelve hundred dollars on the check and he hands it back to Schultz Schultz says what do you want me to do with it he says he was shocked. He wrote twelve hundred dollars. He says, "Go buy yourself a pair of There's a store right across the street. You're supposed to wear those every day." He says, "You want to give me a blanket? That's nice. I'm giving you a blanket." Shalom, everyone. Thank you. 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 Thank you.